Welcome back, everybody. My guest is Larry Holly, outstanding coach, 919 wins at the college level. I'm going to count that one against UMKC, even though it was an right. exhibition for you guys, but it was a regular season for them. That's that's 919 in my book, Larry. Okay. Um, before the break, we were talking, I wanted to ask you a little bit about recruiting uh, because it's at our level, it was really a challenge, I think, for, for everybody. You know, some schools had a little better situation than other schools. But I want to talk to you about, you know, how did you go about recruiting? What type of uh, resources did you have? And how did you leverage those? Well, I'll just, I'll just do my, my William Jewell years. Um, um, I, when I took the job, uh, uh, I, I had been at Northwest Missouri State. As, as the head coach. And we had 11 in-state scholarships when I was at Northwest Missouri State. But if you took an out-of-state player, it took a scholarship and a third, maybe a little bit more than that to take an out-of-state player. So you had to change your money, but we had full scholarships. Mm -hmm. We did not have full scholarships. Um, and that was one of the factors that almost kept me from taking the job. Plus I had I was going to have two full-time assistants. At Jewel, I wouldn't have any. I'd have part-timers. Uh, but it was my alma mater. And yeah. at the time, William Jewell College cost $3,600 in total, room board tuition fees. They had unlimited number of $1,000 grants, and they had four achievement grants worth $1,500. You couldn't combine them. So... I, my theory was I could I would recruit three guys at every position on the floor and hope that I could develop one of them to play against the full scholarship programs. Now, not everybody in the heart of America had fulls. I think there might have been some that had fulls. Uh, so anyway, I took the job. <clears throat> and uh, we did okay, but we were struggling uh, outside the conference to compete against the Missouri Westerns, Missouri Southerns, the UMKCs, the, the schools that were full scholarship and state provided uh, scholarships. And the cost of William Jewell had gone from $3,600 to $7,200 in, that, in that, period, that short period of time. The scholarships had stayed the same. <laughs> so I met with the president and the president uh, decided, made a decision to give me uh, eight full tuition scholarships and room grants to go with it. Well, uh -huh. if you our records uh, beginning in 84, 85 through 87, 88, I took those away. That's another part of the story. Uh, we were, I got a lot smarter. <laughs> <laughs> and we went, um, I, I think I'll get these records right. We went 25 and seven, 25 and four, 27 and six, 32 and two. And, um, Anyway, at the end of the 88 season, we had made some commitments to future players, but the school basically came in and took all those away and our, our scholarships became six half tuition scholarships. Oh my. And we did that until the uh, NAIA put in a rule that you could give up to six full scholarships at the division two level. And they gave us, um, they gave us six but we were still capped at full tuition. So I could not give room board books and fees. 
And, uh, but we kind of got through that. Okay, we went, we, we were blessed to get to four final fours in a five year period, uh, but, but we, were, we did not have fulls. Now, I know that no one in the Heart of America Athletic Conference believed that. Uh, when, when that, when, when I finally, when the people finally believed that is when I hired uh, Matt Sherman, Jeff's son, to be an assistant coach. So he lived it. <laughs> and then I hired Jimmy Williams. Uh, yeah. He's Rodgers' player, and neither one of them could believe that we didn't have, <laughs> didn't have bulls during that time. But but anyway, we, we didn't. And then uh, and then we made the move to uh, uh, during this time while you were at Benedictine, we made the conference made the move from Division Two to Division One. And if you remember, you have seven scholarships that first year, and then eight, right, and then nine the first three years. Well. That worked for us because we, and, and the first year that we were division one, they allowed us to give fulls. They allowed us to give fulls. So, so anyway, and then the next year we went NCAA and their max was 10. NAI's max at the time, I think was 11. Right. And, but I think they stopped at nine, but our, our last year in the heart of the American athletic conference, Joe, we had, we did have the full equivalent of nine, nine. to give a player a full. And then uh, uh, we were at 10 and stayed that way until my last couple of years at Jewel. And, and uh, they cut back on us a little bit, but I, Jewel is uh, going back to giving fulls again in men's basketball. But that's, that's from a recruiting standpoint, that was a challenge. Knowing that the real key is knowing who you have a chance to recruit. And we always felt at Jewel that we had to kind of wait until the D1s and D2s were done. <laughs> now we were recruiting guys that were being recruited by them. Uh, we got, we got fortunate with some players. And when they gave me the full tuition and room grants in the spring of 84, we got, a, we got the 88 team had three division one players on it. Now, I'm not saying they would start at KU or MU or whatever, but they could have started at, at lower, uh, you know, mid-major, low-major, or made a roster somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was a challenge from that standpoint, but I always, I, you know, if I had my preference, I would recruit all high school seniors so you could develop the players and have them for four years. Mm -hmm. I'll say that I, we were very lucky with some transfers. The guy that kind of put us on the map was Kirk Schauber, uh, who, had, who had been a great athlete at North Kansas City High School, was at the University of Missouri, started five or six games as a freshman. And then the next year he goes back and things didn't work out and he left. And some of his family's best friends were jewel backers and he transferred in and kind of put us on the map and uh his second year we were 22 and 8 and then we had the good recruiting because good players help recruit other good players and then if you have success it builds on that right uh, and that kind of happened for us uh, for us uh it was a challenge when we got cut back on scholarships but uh we were very blessed with the players we got but we basically were kansas city area until we went ncaa and we had to get maybe a little higher caliber player. Well, in our area, uh, you had Northwest Missouri State, which had won a national title. You had Central Missouri State, which won a national title. You had Drury, which won a national title. And then on the Kansas side, you had your Washburns and your Fort Hayes. And, and you know, and so uh, during that time, we got probably the two best players we got in the Kansas City area had played for former players of mine. Uh, one at Park Hill uh, with Chad Jones and one, one with Josh Wilson at Fort Osage. Mm -hmm. So to get out, we had to expand. 
And uh, when we got Jimmy Williams as my first full-time assistant in my last uh, three years, uh, he expanded that. He had recruited nationwide. And, and we were fortunate to get some players outside the Kansas City area. And um, so we were, we were just getting, because we struggled our, our first few years in NCAA. And, and, uh, but we got better at the end because we were able to you know, convince some players to come from a distance to William Jewell. How did you sell players on coming to William Jewell if they had to pay in order to come and play? Well, that, that was a challenge. That was a challenge. Um, we would just uh, talk about the benefits of the, of the education. William Jewell was highly rated academically. We became a national liberal arts college and we pushed, as I'm sure everybody else, else did, the, the, the importance of a good college education. And I would say where all these guys went to graduate school and the jobs they got coming out. Uh, it was, I mean, it, it was a challenge. You, you had to find someone who was willing to take loans or their parents had the, had the uh, reserves to, or the ability to pay, pay the space between their scholarship and, and the cost. And, and it was, I'm glad when that situation went away, when, when we got to being able to give fulls, but it, it, was, it was a challenge and, and it was, uh, you know, we lost players because of that. Players would rule us out immediately. Mm -hmm. and, Glad, I'm glad they would do it quickly because, you know, you need to know who you have a chance to recruit. And when you're not on equal fo footing with others in terms of financial aid, that makes it a challenge. You had that at Benedictine when you took that job. And, uh, that is a challenge, knowing who you have an, an opportunity to recruit. Well, it seemed like being on the recruiting trail and, and uh, against uh, conference teams, you seem to have a really good network that you had built over the years. How, how'd you go about doing that? Well, a lot of it, I, yeah, I was there 40 years. And so it, it's just, it's just uh, former players going into coaching, uh, just being around those coaches and, and on occasion, uh, community college coaches. Uh, you know, some, I'm going back to recruiting. Sometimes the best recruiting you can, you can do is on somebody you may not really have a chance to get, but if they get unhappy where they are, maybe they'll come back to you. Mm -hmm. And we happened to us on a couple of occasions but it was just networking with with all the coaches I you know uh, I had developed a lot of coaching friends when I was at Central Methodist because in the St. Louis area because we, most of the players at Central Methodist that I recruited were from St. Louis mm -hmm. I hit Merrimack and Jeffco and uh, Florida Valley and Forest Park and uh, and then all the high schools down there and uh, uh, and in some situations uh uh, recruiting kids who who uh, go to private schools where they're used to paying to go mm -hmm. to go to high school. Mm -hmm. That's that's part of it too. Uh, but it was it was uh, just the networking of all the coaches and former players uh, that helped us in the recruiting process. And like everybody else, I'll I get a phone call about a player outside the area. I'm not saying that 100% of our players were in the metro area, but but if you looked at our roster until we became NCAA Division II. Most of them were from the, from the Kansas City metro area. Yeah. Speaking of players, uh, I talk about players making plays in my book. And uh, one of my uh, frustrations was, you know, almost every team that I've played on, I've played with players who made plays. You know, we won different championships over the years. And it seemed like we always had somebody step up. And it wasn't always the same person. You know, it was you just had guys that knew how to win games. Um, and then this is 
this is saying nothing about my players that, you know, as far as trying and all that type of stuff, but we just didn't ever consistently have a player that would step up and, and win those types of games. I remember a number of times playing you guys and one in particular, um, I think it was a two point game. You had the ball underneath your own basket. We're up to, there's two seconds or less on the clock. And I'll be doggone, you know, we set up how we're going to defend it and everything. And you had to get two to tie. <laughs> and what do you do? You throw it into the dead corner to some kid. And it might have been that Corey kid. He catches it falling out of bounds. And I'm going, are you kidding me? He launches it and hits a three and beats us by one. And you, I remember you walking over to me and you just went with your hands up like this, like that. And I'm going, no. <laughs> No. One one of those games where you out coached us and outplayed us, and uh, <laughs> it just didn't didn't happen at the end. I, you know, and, and I've had a few like that, and uh, I'm glad Pat uh, made the shot. <laughs> it felt horrible for you. I mean, I, I we've we've had that happen on two or three occasions—a shot at the buzzer to win, and we've had it the other way also to lose at the buzzer. But uh, now, if you know, if you've got. Uh, uh, I, I was blessed most years to have a player, once the shot clock came in, you need to have, have, have something against the clock. Right. It was the first, the first year we lost it, uh, the first year of the, of the three-point play and the shot clock brings up a bad memory for me. Our very first game was at, was at Benedictine. And I had called my friend Gary Garner, who, had, who was the head coach at Drake University at the time. And they had experimented with a three-point line in the Missouri Valley Conference. Mm. And I said, Gary said, tell me about coaching against the three-point line. Do I need to make any, any changes? He said, don't make any changes at all. It'll just work itself out. So we go to Benedictine, and probably the most talented team I ever had in my life was the 86-87 was the team, the year before our 88 team. And the at the end of that year, the best player on that team and the starting center on that team transferred to, to Drury. And the second leading scorer on that team transferred to Penn Valley. Oh my. That's another story for another time. So we, we've got all this talent and we go to, go to Benedictine and they did not have anybody who I promise you would be in our top five or six players. <laughs> and, but they're good. I, I'm not taking anything away, but just in terms of talent, they, they didn't have anybody that would start for us. We get beat. And in the first half, there was a player, I want to say. Uh, Billy Tafflinger. That's him. That's him. Yep. He, he threw in, he must have thrown in 112 threes in the first <laughs> five minutes of that game. And we lose that game as a great win for Benedictine. And I've, I've got all this talent and I'm walking back now. I didn't want to say to him. I mean, and so I, I did pick up the phone and call Gary Garner at Drake University and, and told him in no uncertain terms that there are adjustments to be made to that three, <laughs> three point line. Uh, but, but anyway, that, you know, it's, so your original question was? Well, I was going to ask you. Is players? Yeah, players playing, making plays. Is that something you can teach? You know, I think you can help in that situation, but I think there's certain guys that love pressure. I had a player named Kyle Fisher who you, who you coached against. Little, he's a left-hander, about 6'3", stepped slow, couldn't jump, but, boy, the guy could play. And he had, in his career at Williams Jewel, seven game winners. Wow. And, and uh, I had one by the name of Neil Serber, who had five game winners 
graduated in 86. And neither of those guys was, was the fastest, the quickest, the strongest, but they had a mentality and a confidence about them that they, they could make the shot at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. But when the shot clock came in, it went from 45 and then to 35, you need somebody that can go get their own shot. And I've had, I've had teams where I didn't have that. And boy, diagramming a play and, and then all of a sudden, somebody that's just a better athlete than you jumps out to guard that player and you don't even get a good shot at the end of the 35 second clock or the end of the half or the end of the game. But I, I was blessed most years, somebody that could go get their own shot. And when you have more than one that can do that, then they can't go double team that guy either. And, and we were blessed with that. So yeah, players make plays. And I, I'm no different from anybody else. I'm a lot smarter with good players. But you want to get those good players and put them in a system they believe in. Right. And you hope that they're unselfish enough, you know, I mean, to have to have uh, envy and selfishness and jealousy on your team would, would be horrible. And I was blessed not to ha hardly have that with anyone ever in my 51 years. And, and um, you know, most, most of the guys, uh, my coach said, uh, let the shooters shoot, the dribblers dribble. And everybody rebound and play defense, but let those shooters shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you had some great shooters over the years. There's no doubt. Um, last question before we take another break is: Why did you, in your opinion, why was it so difficult to transition from a, what I consider a great NAIA program? to an NCAA program. Now, I know you were going into one of the toughest, if not the toughest conferences in the country at the NCAA. You were probably coming out of the one of the toughest or the toughest NAIA, but there is a difference uh, in those <clears throat> levels. What would you attribute uh, the fact that, you know, you were so successful and then you, you struggled for a while. I know you had a year or two there towards the end where you had a really yeah. nice year, but... Yeah. Well, candidly, uh, it was, there were so many talented players on so many talented teams. I'll, I'll just give you an example. We, I think, uh, I think we, I know we finished 13 and 14 twice. We, we finished the regular season 13 and 13, nine and nine in the league. But most of the time we had two teams with, I think with only nine wins and we, and we struggled. <clears throat> but the first year that we were, uh, in the, in, in the uh, GLBC. And I think at the time it may have been the best league in the nation the year before Bellarmine uh, uh, had won the national championship. So our first four conference games, Joe, and I, I'm not, I'm not uh, exaggerating this. <clears throat> we, we go on the road and we play at Northern Kentucky, which is division one, by the way, and has made the NCAA division one national tournament. <clears throat> we walk into their 10,000 seat arena <laughs> it's the first game for us, conference game. And we lost in overtime. Wow. And then we go to Bellarmine in Louisville. Um, and they nipped us by 28. <laughs> just, just barely got us. We come home the next weekend. We play uh, Kentucky Wesleyan, which has won eight national titles. We lose by eight or nine. And then we play Southern Indiana, Bruce Pearl, they won a national title. Yeah. We lose by eight or nine. So on Sunday, I'm looking back, and we are 0-4 in my 
in, in the league. I think it might have been our second year. It's the first year we were eligible for postseason play. That's what it was. And those teams at the end of that week were ranked second, third, seventh, and eighth in the nation. Four of the top eight teams in the nation were in our league. And that and, and the newcomer in the league, guess who we get to play? We get to play those four right out. <laughs> and we're 0-4. And, and we, we had a chance to win three of those games. Wow. But it, it just, it was a struggle for us. Uh, I didn't have a full-time assistant. And we still recruited the Kansas City area, but we weren't getting the players. Uh, we were losing them to Central Missouri. Or it might come down to us or Northwest or us or Central or us or Drury or us or Washburn. We might have been in the final three or four situations, but in some, it'd be the final two, and we just, we just, uh, it didn't happen. And um, so uh, we brought some good players in from junior colleges, but they didn't know our system. And by the time we got our system, we kind of buried ourselves in the league. But when we were able to kind of turn the corners, when we got a full-time assistant, and uh, I'll, I'll give that credit to, to Jimmy Williams. He did a great job of expanding our, our recruiting and our reach. And uh, so, and, and we, we had some players, and I'll, I'll just go through this real quick with, with, with you. I mentioned that, that uh, two of our players were from former players in the Kansas City area. Uh, one was a young man who played, at, uh, his name was Dylan Deck, and he was highly recruited by a lot of people, big 6'8", uh, 6'9", six, six, out of Smithville, played for Chad Jones, who was an All-American for us. He comes, and in his second year, uh, he made second team All-League. And uh, then he transfers to Central Missouri State. And we released him. Um, and uh, they win the national title the next year. And guess who their best player is? Their best player is Dylan Deck. He's the only player on that team that made first team MIAA. They go win the title. And um, a couple of years later, we got uh, Devontae Mosby, top player out of Fort Osage High School. And after his sophomore year, he decides to transfer to Northwest Missouri State University. I remember that. Transfers up there. He didn't. He starts some, but he's their sixth. I think he got sixth man of the year. He's player of the week a couple times. The MIAA, they win the national title. So I've actually coached guys. I've, I've coached teams. Uh, <laughs> they just didn't happen to have a Williamsville uniform. <laughs> and between those two, I had a point guard named Dwight Sistrunk out of uh, high school in Des Moines, and uh, he transferred to Truman State and and uh, led, led the MI, led, led the GLVC. I had coached against him. In, in assists. So three years in a row, we had a sophomore leave our program and go to a state school. We just try to supply, we just try to get them ready. That WJC doesn't stand for William Jewell College, stands for William Junior College. We just did a couple of years and send them out to bigger and better things. But no, I, I make light of that. Those three tremendous young men and three tremendous players, they just decided to leave because we, I, I don't know if they were looking for bigger and better things, you know, in, in terms of wins and losses. Uh, but we did struggle. Uh, but at, at the end, um, we were getting some players outside the Kansas City area that helped us compete at that level. But there are so many Division One level. I, I guarantee you that there's a lot of D1s that didn't want to play Bellarmine or Southern Indiana or Kentucky Wesleyan or Northern Kentucky or Drury. You know, I mean, it was it, it was a great league. It was a great, it still is a great league. Yeah. But Kentucky has left it. Bellarmine has left it. Uh, and uh, Kentucky Wesleyan has left the lead, but it's still a great lead. Yeah, I agree. Larry, I think we're going to take another break here. When we come back, uh, I, I know the answer to this question. Uh, 
did you have any career regrets? Uh, but I do want you to address that. And then I, I do want to talk about that lovely lady that's walked behind you a number of times behind <laughs> her um, and how she's reacted and, and, uh, and your first wife who unfortunately passed away at a young age. Um, you know, how, how did they deal with you being a coach, et cetera? So uh, we'll, we'll be back in a minute, okay? Very good, thank you. <laughs> 